Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome this week to part three of our series on God's promises. God's promises. Now, what we're doing in this series is we're not going through and, and, and categorizing each promise and, and reading each promise and going through each promise. Uh, we want you to do that at home just by opening up your Bible and spending some time with the Lord hunting promises because you learn a lot that way. You really do. Um, but what we're doing is providing a framework, a skeleton, if you will, of the great potentials that God has promised to each of us in His Word. You know, none of us are here to live drab, boring lives of just merely existing and merely getting by. Uh, we are here to share in the glories of Jesus Christ and the kingdom uh, while we are alive upon this earth. And so he's given us promises, he's given us uh, ways uh, in which we can tap into those resources of heaven, resources that this world knows little to nothing about, and uh, but the church knows about it. And what we've got to do is start preaching it again. And if we'll preach the power of God, we'll see the power of God. If you preach healing, people will get healed. If you preach the baptism in the Holy Ghost, people will get filled with the Spirit. If you preach the Word, the Word will, will manifest uh, in signs and wonders and great happenings all throughout planet Earth. And so we have determined uh, to begin to preach these things and to take and go through it little by little by little each week with you. And we all come together and, and study together the great truths of the Word of God. We've talked about a lot of things as it relates to the promises of God. We started off the first message, and we talked about uh, the promises of God are unfailing, they're, they're assured, they're backed up by divine ability. I mean, God has the power to bring His Word to pass. Amen? Also, uh, the promises are grounded in Christ. If, if, if we're in Christ, then all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen, the Bible says. Also, these promises are of infinite value. We talked about that. And they culminate in eternal and everlasting life for the believer. And then last week, we talked in part two about brighter days that the Word of God promises us. The Word promises deliverance. It promises us divine care and sickness, comfort of God's presence, no matter what we're going through. Uh, the Word of God promises us an eternal home, one that we cannot be evicted uh, from. We cannot be kicked out. You know, we're there. We're in Christ. We're washed in the blood. We also talked about all things working together for the believer's good. Now, that's a promise of Scripture. Uh, I think we should start there again this week, Romans 8 and 28. And we'll just start off reading that verse because this is a promise. There is not one single thing that you're going through today that is wasted from heaven's point of view. Not one thing is, is insignificant. Everything carries a weight. Everything carries a meaning to it. And God has laid it out in His Word for us. It says in Romans 28, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, who are the called according to His purpose. So we see three ingredients in there that gives your life and my life tremendous value. Human life is valuable. I mean, and this is why abortion is such a terrible sin. 
Human life is valuable and God has a destiny mapped out and planned out for each individual. He, he, God made these determinations, these predestinations, before the very foundations of the world. And so we shouldn't be trying to mess with that. You, you hear what I'm saying today? God's a good God and He has good in His heart towards you and towards me. We also talked about the promises of God that talks about the sufficiency of divine grace. And we mentioned to you that grace is the empowerment of the believer. Grace is what empowers us. And somebody made the statement uh, one time, you know, well, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers the believer. Yes, that's the truth. That's true. He's called the Spirit of grace. But, but also it's more important that you learn and understand how the Holy Spirit operates and how the, the Holy Spirit only operates within the boundaries of the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we see that it's faith and grace and that is how the Holy Spirit empowers the believer. He empowers us with grace and with faith and with giftings and with fruit. And all of these facets of his life, grace is the empowering agent. Now this week we want to we want to look at some we want to start off looking at a very practical way uh, that the Bible promises you your everyday needs as you live life upon the earth. The Bible promises you and I that we'll have food. I mean, it gets right down to the nitty-gritty, even as minute of detail as that. The Bible promises food. Psalm 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. It says, Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Now, why do you think... The scripture uses that terminology. If a man is hungry, what does that mean to feed on his faithfulness? Well, it just simply means that God has promised sustenance. He will be faithful to provide it. And if we will meditate on that, it will become so big in us. And, and, and when we get in that position of need, we will be delivered into the food or whatever it is that we need. We will be given by the hand of God because he promised it in his word. And you say, well, there's millions of people starving to death today. Well, some of that is our fault because God has spoken to us to go and be the answer to their prayer, to give money and be the answer to their prayer, whatever, but we refuse to do it for whatever reason. See, but God has provided the need. There's enough food on this planet to feed everybody. God has provided the need. It's man that gets it goofed up and messes things up, see. So the promise of God is, is sure, and the promises of God are great, and they are awesome. God also promises us unlimited blessings. Now that's a, that's a thrilling thought. Blessings, but not just blessings. Blessings with no limits. Hallelujah. Let's read Mark 9.23. Jesus said to him, Jesus is talking to this guy, and he said, If you can believe... All things are possible to him who believes. Wow. Sometimes we pray, Lord, if you can help me, please help me. And God's looking down and saying, if I can help you, can you imagine saying such a thing to the Almighty God? If I can help you, He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 
glory be to God. So the blessings of God, uh, neighbor, are unlimited in your life and in mine if we are in Christ. Also, in Mark eleven twenty four, the Word of God promises us answers to our prayers. Answers to our prayers. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So that goes back to an old phrase that we used to hear a lot in the church. You've got to believe you receive. You believe you receive, and you shall have. So let's, let's say it again. Let's say it together now. Believe you receive, and you shall have. That is the faith principle outlined repeatedly in the Word of God. So we're promised food, we're promised unlimited blessings, we're promised answers to prayer. We are also promised the removal of obstacles at times. You know, there's, there's times when, when God allows us to go up against an obstacle, or God allows, like He did the uh, disciples, to go into the midst of a storm in the middle of the night when it's pitch black, Okay? There's times when God will allow the obstacles to remain for a purpose. And once that purpose is accomplished, He will remove the obstacle. Once that purpose is accomplished, He will end the trial. And there's other times that God allows the obstacle to come simply so you and I can learn that we can develop our faith and see the obstacle moved in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Let's read Luke 17.6. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots, and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now ladies and gentlemen, that is just how powerful that faith is. Faith is not some little cute cliche that some television preacher has given to us. Faith is the very powerhouse of God. Faith is the currency that spends in God's kingdom. Faith is, is that which moves the hand of God in our behalf. Some people think it's needs. It's not needs. The world is full of needs. But what moves God into action is faith. Glory be to God. And God said, if you have faith just like a little bit of mustard seed, have you ever seen a mustard seed? I mean, it's tiny like the head of a pin. Not very big. Not very much faith is required. Glory to God. But if you'll believe in Jesus, if you'll believe in what Jesus did at the cross, if you'll believe that He shed His blood for you, hallelujah, mountains in your life, mountains in your life. Let's put it another way. Let's Even one better than that. Mountain ranges in your life will be demolished by the power of Almighty God. They will be moved in the midst of the sea. They'll obey it when you speak forth the word because that's the way that God designed it. It's the way that God designed it. And so we go God's way with it, praise God. We need to, we need to start talking the word, seems to me like. Glory be to God. Also, the promises of God makes promise for us of divine sonship. Somebody said to me one time, well, God is the Father of all people. The Bible doesn't teach that. God is the Father of all saved people. God is the Father of those people who have come to Jesus Christ. 
and I'm still one that believes that Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved. He's the only way to heaven exclusively, and there is no other. God is the Father of the followers of Christ. Now let's look at John 8, 44. Let's turn over there real quick to St. John 8 and 44. And let's see what Jesus himself said. You don't have to take Brother Paxton's word for it. I wouldn't want you to do that anyway. Let's just go to John 8, 44. Here's what Jesus said. He was standing there looking at a group of people one day. He was looking at the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were sad, you see. Because they didn't believe in the power of God. They didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe in nothing. And Jesus looked at them and said, <clears throat> that was the Sadducees. He was also looking at Pharisees. And here's what he said to them. He said, you are of your father the devil. John 8, 44, it's in your Bible. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. One of Satan's greatest lies in this generation is that there are many ways to get to God. That's a lie. It's one way to get to God through the Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that He shed at the cross. And to all who come that way, to, for all who come the proper way, God becomes their Father. And the Bible says <coughs> that we have divine sonship promised to us in John 1 and 12. Here's what it says. But as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in His name. You, you are actually given the right to become a child of God when you receive Christ. You're not born with that right. And that flies in the face of an entitlement society and culture that we live in today. But what gives you the right to be called a child of God is when you accept Jesus Christ. When you receive Jesus Christ, when you acknowledge that He paid the price for your sins, that you are a sinner, and Jesus was a, a perfect God-man that walked the earth, and He never sinned one time, so He paid your penalty. When you acknowledge that, you have been given the right then to be called a son or a daughter of God. And that's the straight Bible truth. That is the truth of the Word of God. The Word also promises us uh, eternal life. John 3.14 And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. John 3.15 That whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Of course, you know John 3.16 For God so loved the world that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 5.24 Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death unto life. Hallelujah. So we can see that these promises of God reach from eternity to eternity. The, the, it's a strange thing when you look at it, but God in the eons of eternity past predestinated a future for every human being. And God set the wheels in motion. Come on up to the midway point just about. Or come on up to the, the point in time, the fullness of time when God sent His only Son to die on the cross. Come on up to today. Come on up into the eternity future. 
that God already knows what each of us are going to be doing three million years from now that we don't know. He's preparing His children for that right now. We don't know it. We don't comprehend it. We don't understand it, but God already knows. God sees the very beginning from the end and the end from the beginning. God is the one who sees the, the whole parade from start to finish as it's happening. And He calls it very good. And He calls it done. And He calls it blessed because it originated with Him. And so when you come to Christ, you're not just coming to some little old frivolous, fruitless endeavor. You're a part of God's plan for the ages. When you give your heart to Jesus, you become a part of God's plan for the ages at that very moment. He has promised you sonship. He has promised you eternal life. And He has promised you also spiritual fullness. Let's read John 6.35. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. Glory be to God. I want to tell you something today. The soul of man is so big. Pot can't fill it up. Methamphetamines can't fill it up. Whiskey can't fill it up. Beer, wine, alcohol, gin can't fill it up. Drugs can't fill it up. Illicit sex cannot fill up the soul of man. The soul of man is so big that only God can fill the soul of man. And He fills it with His Son, Jesus Christ, the very moment you receive Him as the Savior of your life. Anything else is a dead-end street. Any other pursuit is a wasted endeavor. Any other pursuit will lead you to hell. But if you will come to Jesus Christ today, you can and will be saved because the book promises it. And God is not a liar. God is not a liar. Give your heart to Jesus Christ. Live your life for Jesus Christ. Love with a heart that's filled with Jesus Christ. And you won't need all that booze and that drugs and that uh, wanton sex and all this type of thing. You'll have a fullness in the walk of life because He is the bread, He is the wine. He is the bread, He is the food, He is the drink that sustains your hunger and thirst. If you're hungry for power, you ain't never seen power till you see Holy Ghost power. If you're hungry for authority, you've never seen the blessing being submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ. I mean, whatever you need, whatever that hunger is, whatever that drive, whatever that thirst, Jesus is all in all. And He will fill you to overflowing if you will receive Him into your life today. And that's His greatest desire for you. That's His greatest desire, His heart for each of us. Spiritual fullness. John 11.26 says it this way, Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What a question. Do you believe this? I want to tell you something, Christian. Here, Brother Paxton, you will never die. The Word promises it. Oh, you'll die a physical death. You will make the trip from this realm to the next. But you never, ever cease to exist. Jesus Himself, our blessed Savior, said it. Let's read it again. It's a powerful verse. 
And whoever lives, this is John 11:26. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Because neighbor friend of mine today, if you do believe it, it'll change the way you live. And it'll change the way you perceive life. And it will change the way you view others from this day forward. Do you believe this? Not only is, is Jesus uh, promising divine sonship and eternal life and spiritual fullness, but he also promises spiritual light. In John 12, 46, the Bible says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. How many knows that the world is a dark place? The world is a dark place. The world is an evil and wicked place. But Jesus came to shine as a brilliant light, a bright light in the midst of the darkness of man and man's inhumanity to man and sin and hate and addiction and shame and bitterness. Jesus shines as a bright light with his arms outstretched wide saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest, he said. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. That's the word of the Lord today. That's how we're going to close this program today. Maybe you have wandered far away from the fold. Maybe you used to know the Lord. Maybe you've never really known the Lord. But he calls your name today. And he says, if you'll have me come in, I will be there. And I will cleanse you from your sins. Don't get me wrong, Jesus isn't looking for your acceptance. He wants you to receive Him. He wants you to receive the eternal life that He offers you right now. Let's pray together as we close the program today. And when we pray this prayer, the words won't save you. But if you believe with all your heart, you can and will be saved. Father in heaven, I come to you a sinner. And I'm sorry for my sin. And I know that Jesus Christ, your Son, paid the price for my sins on the cross. I believe that. And right now I confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord of my life. I receive Him into my heart and I believe. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, to wash me in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And as I go forward from this day forward in my life, I will live for Jesus Christ to the best of my ability. And when I ask, when I lack that ability, Holy Spirit will give me ability. Empowering grace is what I ask for. And I give my heart to Jesus right now. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen and amen. If you just prayed that prayer, you can write to us, Len and Angie Paxton, Post Office Box 5714. That's Box 5714. Traverse City, Michigan, 49696. Tell us that you received Christ through the telecast and we would love to send you some free material to help you in your walk with the Lord. And until next week, may God richly, richly bless you. And hey, may you get turned on to the promises of God. Amen. Until next week, this is Evangelist Len Paxton saying, go with God and He will go with you. Bless you now. Hey everybody, this is Brother Paxton. I'm down here at the site. I'm going to have Angie kind of just take a little span here. 
of the old Coatmish Lake in Coatmish, Michigan. This lake's dried up now. It used to be a, a spot where we would come and fish when I was a kid. As at least 35 years ago, that's all I want to say about that. But we had a lot of fun here. And I just wanted to encourage you today about the importance of prayer. Man, what a privilege we have to be able to approach the King of the Universe with requests and with the thoughts that we have about our lives and just for guidance and for help and for assistance from Jesus to be able to approach the throne of God in prayer. Here's what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5. In verse 14 it says, This is the confidence we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Hey, that's very important to pray according to the will of God. So we need to get into the Word, find out what God thinks about things, and then when we pray according to that, God hears us. Now listen to what it says. We know that if He hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. I want to tell you, the Bible says it's God's will for all men to come to the knowledge of the truth so we can pray for our friends and our loved ones and our family members to be saved. The Bible says by His stripes you were healed. So we know that it's God's will for people to be well so we can pray for that. Uh, the Bible says that He'll meet all our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus so we can pray for material blessings. All of that we find out by digging in this treasure house, this field of treasure called the Word of God. Angie and I have been out metal detecting today. That's a hobby that we have. We like to do it. It's fun. It's relaxing. You find a lot of cool things. It's very relaxing and fun to look into the Word of God also. And you find a lot of cool things. And begin to pray about that. Pray the Word back to God. And the Lord will just show you so many wonderful things. Let me encourage you today. Take time to find out what God's will is. Pray according to His will. Believe you receive what you're desiring from the Lord. And you watch the miracles that God will work in your life. This is Brother Paxton. We'll see you a little further on up the road. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, this is Brother Paxton. I'm here at the site of the Battle of Bean Station, Tennessee. And you know, I was thinking that a good Civil War soldier had to have a couple of things going for him. First of all, he had to have faith in his commander. And secondly, he had to be obedient. You know, the goal of every Christian is to become more like Christ. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, What will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. In order for you and I to arrive at our chief goal as Christians, and that goal is to be like Jesus, to be like our Commander, we have to have faith in Him, and we have to obey what He tells us to do. And as we get into that posture, the Holy Spirit conforms us into the image of Christ. If we try to do this in our own strength, we're going to fall short. But if we trust the Lord, if we trust the Holy Spirit, He makes us who He wants us to be. And we'll begin to look more and more and more just like Jesus. So from this beautiful spot, there's nothing here anymore.
This is where the a Civil War battle took place. You and I are in a battle every day of our lives to maintain faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. And as we do that, it becomes a good fight. It's the good fight of faith. It's a fight that's already been won. Jesus paid it all. Jesus defeated every force of the enemy. And you and I can relish in His victory. And we call it forth now in His mighty name. Amen.